Welcome back to Drunkology. This is Nick, and Nick only for today. In this bonus episode, I had a phone call with a friend of mine. His name's Robert. Robert is a police officer in Louisiana. Robert also hosts a podcast with his wife, April, called the Louisiana Saturday Night Podcast. To be 100% honest with you, it's one of the funniest podcasts out there. They laugh, they have a great time, they drink as well. And it's just a fun podcast to listen to, just to giggle. My conversation with Robert had to do with the recent events of uh, Black Lives Matter in America. With racial divides so heavy right now, and divides within the country with a police department, I thought it was very beneficial to have a conversation with a police officer to give my listeners, you guys, a resource. We all have a matter of an opinion. We all have our way of thinking, but sometimes we don't want to go outside of that window. And we want to only think that what we think is what everyone else thinks. And the best part about America is we have the opportunity to have our own opinions and we have to formulate those ourselves. So today, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm not trying to get you to agree with any of us. I want you to just sit back, listen, and dive into, into the conversation. Robert has many great points, many points that I don't even agree with, but it's the point of the civil conversation of sitting down and listening to someone else and just hearing what they have to say and taking in that, taking in that information and doing it with it what you will. Enjoy. Hey, Robert, how are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, so thank you for joining me today. I wanted to um, have a little conversation a little bit, talk about, um, you know, what's been going on in the country with police brutality, you know, the defund the police. Um, I know, you know, you being a member of law enforcement, I would love for my mm-hmm. listeners to um, use you as a resource to not only educate themselves um, and, you know, don't just get everything from social media that, you know, my generation seems to do. Um, right. So go ahead and give us a little history about um, your law enforcement background. So um, I've been in law enforcement now going on 25 years. I started my law enforcement career when I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, that was in 19, given my age, 1997. I started with the sheriff's office here in Louisiana. Um, I worked, I want to say almost five years there. And then um, I got on with the department I'm on with now, and I've been there for be 19 years in October. Okay. And um, you are you stationed in an office, or are you like on the patrol? Like where you you, know, you go around uh, your area? What do you specifically do? I do work patrol. Um, the agency I'm with, though, we don't do calls for service, which is like the neighbor's dog is barking or your domestic calls. Um, uh, most of my interactions are um, DWI arrests or um, vehicular crashes or anything to do with um, the highway, pretty much. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, and you, you mentioned in our um, prior discussion um, that you up here they're called counties. What are they called down there? We we call them parishes, and then I I work three parishes, which is county and uh, Yankee speech. Okay. <laughs> now, is the term parish pretty common down there? Is that what counties are called down there all across the board normally? No, only um, 
in Louisiana because, um, you know, Louisiana used to belong to France. And so everywhere else in the United States follows um, common law. Mm-hmm. In Louisiana, we use a Napoleonic Code, which is we use some of common law, but it's mostly French-based, okay. which is why we have parishes and things of that, like that. So what are some differences between, um, you said, common law and what what did you call it? Napoleonic code. Napoleonic code. Like, what are some things that are different with the with the code than common law? I mean, nothing really, other than just the name and then procedural issues um, that you would come on uh, come upon in the court. Okay, um, and that's it basically. So, um, they they say it's Napoleonic, but it's just because Louisiana wants to be different. Okay, um, but it's still, I mean. You know, we have federal courts here, and of course, they don't use special laws. Um, it's mostly just pr- small procedural issues. Okay, like the the technical part of the law is just may, might just be a little bit different in some parts than in common law. But overall, right. you still basically are common law like everybody else. Right, right. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, cool. Um, and you also served in the military, correct? Yes, I was in the uh, Marine Corps for eight years. I did four years res- um, active duty, and then I did actually four years reserves. And um, I was in the Gulf War, and I was in Somalia, um, and then I was in Iraq in 2005. Okay. And what did you do in the military? I was what they call a grunt, which is basically a rifleman. You see the commercials and the guys run out of the um, amphibious vehicles that land on the beach and the guys were out of the back of that okay that was, that was me i was a grunt okay um so both of my parents fathers were in um the military um my one grandfather on my dad's side he was a mechanic and then uh, my mom's father was actually an officer and, and he was a pilot oh, okay yeah so then he moved on to flying um commercially in in america um but yeah um, well, thank you for your service. We appreciate all that you've done um, for our country, okay. especially most recently in Iraq, correct? Yes. Gotcha. Okay. That was the last thing I did. Okay. Um, so let's get into some some tough questions. Um, yes. Being that you're a member of law enforcement, like I said, I wanted your opinion on some things. So um, you did just release a recent episode yesterday, Monday. Um, let me tell you, uh, my coworker, Courtney, and I, I got her on and she loved it. She loved April's uh, conspiracy <laughs> theories. Um, it, it was great. We were dying. We thought both of you are hilarious and it's such an uplifting podcast to do. Um, in that podcast, you mentioned um, that you did not necessarily believe that you benefited from white privilege. Um, right. Did you want to elaborate a, a little bit on that? Yeah, and and so I mean, we were we were talking about it earlier, and so we switched and we moved to a different recording platform because our connection was terrible. But like I was saying, I don't believe that that I've benefited from. And well, let me let me say this. I I mean. I don't know. I, I, I guess somewhere, some places I go, I look white. Other places I go, they say I look Hispanic. Okay. Um, um, for disclosure, I am Hispanic. Um, it's um, and then French, basically, okay. and some some British, um, mostly Guatemalan. Come to find out. Okay. Did you do the the ancestry DNA or the twenty three and Me? 
Yes. Okay. So that was a big surprise. But like I told you earlier, I didn't I didn't know my father growing up, so I wasn't sure mm-hmm. um, what his heritage was. Okay. Or, and I don't know a lot of their background, so that's got to be where it comes from. Okay. But that being said, I, I felt that I've always worked for for everything that I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's ever been given to me um, because I'm white or look white or or or, or a lighter shade. Uh huh. Oh, I, I don't know. This whole thing where we have to put everybody in a box, like you got to check a box. You're you're white. You're Asian. You're black. You're African American. You're Native American. Uh, I I don't know. I, yeah. I just I don't see it. Um, okay. That's just me. Yeah, and um, I definitely think many. Um, people in America don't see it. I don't think um, you're alone. Um, I'm going to be honest. I did not see it either. Um, I um, will be honest. I will never forget um, back in 2014, the uh, Ferguson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I'm a news junkie and, you know, all up into politics. So I was all over that. Um, and I will never forget saying, you know, I ignorantly, I just don't understand. I just don't see what's going on. It doesn't affect me. So why does it affect you? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think in the past two weeks, I've definitely learned that, um, in my case, at least I am, I am the poster child for white privilege. Um, you know, growing up, um, I live in Indiana and, um, so I'm not too far from Chicago, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had growing up had, you know, two working middle class parents, you know, married in my house. Um, relatable to April. I went to private school. <laughs> I'm not right. sure if you went to Catholic school, but I went to private Catholic school, um, kindergarten through eighth grade, and then I transitioned um to um public school, you know, went to undergrad, you know, now in graduate school. I myself never thought I had any white privilege. I always thought that, you know, I'm, I work just as hard as everyone else. Um, but I definitely think in this country we have such, we're so divisive. Um, and around this time, I, I think it's time for many people to finally maybe dig just a little bit deeper into maybe, um, understanding why we don't see it as much. Um, you know, for me, I never have to worry about, you know, some things like walking down a sidewalk or, you know, when I'm pulled over, am I going to die? I think when people say white privilege, that's what they're d- discussing. Not necessarily, um, you know, my white privilege got me a better job or, and not that that hasn't happened. Um, but I, I think this, the past three weeks have shown us that, um, you know, there's certain things that we don't even think twice about being white but a person of color would have to think twice about that. And I have to reference um, a friend of mine, her friend, um, you know, she mentioned that to me that her mom always told her that you must always get your receipt when you leave. Because if you walk out of here and someone questions you and you don't have your receipt, it'll be assumed that you stole it and you'll be taken to jail. I've never, ever had to worry about that. I've never once, I always say no receipt, I'm fine. And I've never once been questioned, you know, but I definitely think people of color have to think differently about those kind of things. You know, whether they, um, I don't remember what podcast I was listening to, 
but he was a contractor um, and he was doing some work and he had to pick up his tools and um, the, the owner of the house who was who hired him was white um, and said, you know, just I'll leave the I have to go. I'll leave your tools out back. Um, just go ahead around the gate, get the tools and you're good to go. And he said, no, because then someone will call the cops on me because it makes it look like that I'm stealing these tools from your house and I'll get arrested. So I definitely think that um, when people say that they don't see it benefit them, I wonder if we could take a step back and maybe think of maybe it does affect me, but I don't even see it. You know what I mean? Oh, well, all those examples that you gave, I would, I wouldn't say that that's a privilege. I would say that that's more the biased on the people um, that are checking the people leaving the store um, mm-hmm. that are asking for receipts. Um, a bias of the person that was uh, just assumed your friend was stealing tools. Uh, I would say that those persons are probably um, racist or biased in their opinion of other races. Mm-hmm. And to assume that everyone takes on those characteristics um, just because of their skin color is racist and it's very nature to think that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you know, you also mentioned about um, the, the individual being worried about being shot when they're pulled over. Mm-hmm. That is a that that I mean that's just a something that's been blown up by the media. If you really dive into the numbers and you look at police interactions with individuals, um, the the numbers don't bear out that police are just out there shooting minorities. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, the numbers themselves don't, don't, don't give you that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did some research because, you know, we were going to be talking about it. So I wanted to have the numbers, mm-hmm. That's, you know, cause I didn't want to just be throwing out, you know, bullshit basically. Yeah. And, and from what I found, it's, it's just not happening. The media wants you to believe that police are out there just killing black people for no reason. Uh-huh. Um, and then that's not to say the George Floyd deal didn't happen because it did, but that officer's got to answer for that. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible example of how to do police work. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll touch on that cause I'm sure we're going to get into that. But to just assume that every police officer is racist, is just crazy to me because um, you know, I was in the Marine Corps, mm-hmm. so most of the individuals I served with were minorities, uh, largely Hispanic, um, and um, then African American, and then white. Now, some people would say, "Well, they see there's that proves your privilege because most white people don't have to go in the military." I mean, does it prove that, or is it, uh, you know, you you were like almost apologizing because you had a uh, you grew up with a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. That's not something you should have to apologize for. That's not a privilege. That's just that's the way it was. I mean, that that's just how I feel. I mean, I'm uh-huh. not going to apologize because I'm, I'm, you know, if I'm you, I wouldn't apologize because my parents stayed married and worked hard to give to send me to private school. Worked hard to give me all these things. I mean. And then you're working hard to finish school. No one's giving it to you. Mm-hmm. 
that's just how I see it. Yeah. And um, I guess my response to that would be, I don't think it's me apologizing. Um, and to be very clear, my parents are no longer married. They divorced when I was in high school. <laughs> um, but, you know, growing up as a young child, I always had both my parents there. Right. Um, I don't think it's more of apologizing. I think it's more of just recognizing that a lot of uh, minority families don't have that. Um, and I definitely think that you have a point that I, I in my opinion, I do not believe that, um, most officers, um, are racist or impartial. Um, I think most officers in any department, whether it's, um, town, city, state, local, you know, they're there because they want to serve their community. Um, and, but I do also believe that every department does have a bad apple or two. Um, oh, absolutely. Yes, and I think that's what um, this reform is is all about. Um, I saw this um, this quote the a uh, couple weeks ago. It was um, a department can have ten officers and one bad apple, um, and that one one bad apple should not at all define who the you know the department is or blanket police officers. Um, but when there's nine good apples that don't stand up you know, against the one that makes 10 bad apples. I guess I wanted to pick your brain and see what, how, what you thought about that analogy. Well, if you look, you look back at, at the, um, the, the officer in the George Floyd um, killing. When you go back, you look at his record. I, I think they said, I know I'm paraphrasing, but I think it was something he had like 18 um, use of force complaints within like 15 years or something to that. He had a lot of use of force complaints. Okay. Now, can, um, I guess, can you explain to people who don't know what that means? Use of force complaint means that you use more force than was necessary to effect an arrest. Okay. So uh, if, for example, I tell you, hey, uh, Nick, you're under arrest, turn around, put your hands behind your back, and you, and you say, okay, and then I just haul off and knock the shit out of you. Okay. There was no need for me to knock the shit out of you because you were complying. Uh-huh. So that's, that's use of force complaints. He used too much force in 18 other incidents or whatever. It was a lot. Yes. I'm not sure if it was 18, but it was a lot. I think it was either 17 or 18. Yeah. So you have to look. The officers are, that he works with didn't dole out the discipline. They're not in charge of looking at his record. Mm -hmm. That goes on the um, administration. Yes. The people in charge. Uh, the chief in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And he got on the news, and he's and he was, excuse me, but he was passing the buck. He's like, well, you know, we just didn't know there was nothing in place to track it, and this and that. That's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. You run the department. If you got an officer that has that many use of force complaints, then you're responsible. The administration, his supervisors are responsible. The chief is responsible. Um, the training academy is responsible. All these people are responsible. Mm -hmm. So to blame the guy that he's working with, who I think two of them have been a cop for two days um, and had just graduated from the academy. And that was something else the chief said. He's like, well, you know, it doesn't matter um, if they had only been graduated for two days. Um, they had their badge on, so they're expected to be, you know, know everything. Well, then why you have them in field training? Mm-hmm. If they know everything, they don't need to be in field training mode. So, of course, a two-day officer is not going to um, countermand 
um, what a 15-year officer is telling him to do. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, I wouldn't blame it on the, the other officer. Yeah, they, but there's only so much they could have done. Um, I, I blame it more on the administration. And, and of course, none of them are going to get in trouble. Okay, yeah. Chief's not going to get in trouble because he's passing it on down the line. You know, shit rolls downhill, as they say. And that's what's happening. Everyone's passing the buck on that. Now, um, are you aware of any um, things that could stop the administration from not being able to um, discipline um, that officer, Officer Chauvin, um, doing some research and, you know, really following this, um, seeing an interview from um, the chief of police in um, New York. He was uh, the president of the, the union there. Um, and hearing that a lot of times the contracts that the officers are in do not allow, um, termination, um, as easy as it sounds. Um, for example, one of them mentioned that a lot of the times termination is based on precedent. And mm-hmm. if, um, a prior officer was not fired for that, that could be used as recourse, um, to avoid termination of that officer. Well, it, it depends. And what you're speaking of is in most municipalities is known as civil service okay. protection. So um, the chief can say, hey, I'm going to fire you. But then you can then turn around and appeal it to the civil service board. Mm-hmm. And the civil service board is usually made up of some civilians and then a representative of the department uh, from like the fire department, the city department, your EMS um, like each person has a representative on that board plus the civilians and they get to vote on it and they can overrule the chief. Okay. So the chief doesn't have the final say. So you're right. Okay. Um, and th- there is president precedence. If um, there was someone before him that, um, you know, did something of similar nature and they didn't fire him, it would be hard for them to fire the Chauvin officer, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Chauvin. But that's why there's documentation in place. So if they had 18 prior complaints of use of force, mm-hmm. there was no reason why he should have, something shouldn't have been done within those those 18 times that it happened. And I can tell you, I've been an officer for almost 25 years. I've never had one use of force complaint. Mm-hmm. None. So for this guy to have 18 in 15 years is, something's wrong. He's Some, obviously, he's obviously someone who doesn't belong. Um, right. As a police officer. So I definitely um, hear what you're saying. And I guess I don't know specifically if there ever was um, a try to get rid of um, that officer. Um, however, I think this whole movement um, is part of the main thing is getting officers um, like that out of departments. Mm-hmm. And it's very evident that um, the term defund the police is a very misleading, um, not appropriate term. Um, I will say I've slid into many people's DMs this past two weeks trying to um, explain that, you know, unfortunately, right. it does not mean you take every single dollar away and it's a free for all um, just trying to explain um, how defunding would mean taking away. So as an example, Los Angeles's um, budget, one third of it is allocated um, for the Los Angeles Police Department. Uh, many people think that that is ridiculous um, and it gives that police department um, overreach into things that maybe would be appropriate for some reform to maybe 
um, limit the police scope and have different departments or different resources. What is your opinion on um, the police reform or what do you, what do you think that really could change? Um, because I think the biggest um, want in this movement is to get rid of the bad apples so the good apples can shine and protect the citizens like they want to. Well, the number one thing is people yelling, uh, take away the money. You got to dive into the numbers first. So the first thing you need to look at is, is the crime rate in Los Angeles. Okay. What is the crime rate relative to the size of the police force? Mm -hmm. I, I would venture to say, I don't know, I don't know the numbers, but I would venture to say that their budget is the way it is because of the, the rate of crime in the County of Los Angeles. Okay. Something probably necessitates that large of a police force and budget to fight the, the crime. So if you want to say, well, we're going to take money away from the police and give it to, um, I don't know, after school stuff for kids, that sounds great, but what are you losing from the police side of it? Mm -hmm. That means there's going to be fewer patrol cars out on a shift to answer calls. So that means that it leaves businesses more susceptible to crime mm -hmm. because there's no patrols in the area because the officer they do have work and are busy just go running call to call to call, which is what incidentally is happening in New Orleans right now with the city police there in New Orleans. They'll, they'll come on shift. Um, a new shift will come on the dog shift, say, from the evening shift, and they've got 30 or 40 calls holding from the previous shift because there's not enough police officers to handle the load. So that's the first thing you got to look at. Now, if the, if the numbers bear out that Los Angeles has way more money than they need, then absolutely it should go somewhere else. But just you can't just shout, well, oh, take their money without knowing the numbers, I think. Mm -hmm. That's just my opinion. Mm -hmm. and, and if you want better police officers, the last thing you want to do is, is lower standards for police and take money away from salaries. I actually don't think anyone is wanting to lower the standards. I actually think people are wanting to hire them. Um, for example, many people are saying that the number of um, hours and training um, need mm -hmm. to be increased. Some are saying even a four-year criminal justice degree should be required. Um, so I definitely don't think that the standard is wanting. I think, if anything, I think the standard is, want, is wanting to be risen um, to weed out the bad people. Um, but what do you think coming from law enforcement, what is one thing that you would like to see change? And whether that would be um, having a different um, public, for the public to respect police more. I definitely think in the past um, 10 years, um, respect for police has gone down. Um, for um, a lot of the times during these protests, a lot of the times all you'll hear is um, fuck the police. Yes. Um, do I think that is um, fair? No. Um, my godfather's brother is the chief of was the chief of police in my city. Um, so I know how important police officers are to a community and how resourceful most of them are. Um, so in my opinion, I think the public um, maybe should do some rethinking on just because there's um, 100 bad cases in the country doesn't mean the other millions should be discounted. What do you have to say for that? Well, let's start with, with what you said about um, 
rise, raising the standards for police officers. So let's say you want them to have an undergraduate degree. Um, you're going to have to pay them more. Let's be honest. So I guess I don't, I guess I don't even know what is the standard salary for a police officer. Well, it depends on the region, and then also you have to factor in cost of living. Okay. So let's say here in Louisiana, um, I want to say the uh, let's in in my department, I think an officer starts out while in the academy. I want to say it's like forty three a year. Okay. Okay. Um, now in California, that same department, same type of kind of department, might start out making. Um, 80 something a year but you got to look at the cost of living so it's probably it's right right around the same as making 43 a year Mm -hmm. um and that's on um the department i work for is on the higher end of a a department it's not a city it's not a municipal it's not a sheriff's office i mean the next step is federal okay so um and if you're going to require and when I say lower the standards, uh, you, um, it's happened here in Baton Rouge. Um, they, so they want diversity in the department because they want the, the, the department to represent the community that they're policing. Mm-hmm. Which I can understand that and I get it. But the, the people that they want to hire don't re, uh, meet the, the requirements they had in place at the time. Mm-hmm. So they lower the standards, whatever they are. Um, they might allow you to have a prior arrest for something or um, uh, take a GED or um, because they want to shape the department to look more like the community. Okay. And not, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but there's a reason why they weren't didn't want to be police in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, like at Angola out here, which is the state prison, they are arresting prison guards out there left and right. For bringing in drugs, having sex with inmates, um, and that's because they will hire anyone to work at the prison. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to want an officer to have a four-year degree, that's fine. Um, I mean, I could be down with that, but you're going to have to pay them to reflect that four-year degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say you'd have to double the starting pay for an officer, if that's the point, mm-hmm. um, because they increasingly want you to do more. Um, you're a social worker, a psychiatrist, um, psychologist, uh, you know, you got to do everything, uh, first aid, a medic. Um, and then most instances, instances, they give you a split second to make a, a decision that when someone else watches the body cam footage, they can sit there and watch it 10 times and be like, oh, well, maybe he didn't, he could have done this instead. Well, you know, that person doesn't have that ability to sit there and and watch it and just go over it again and again and again to see what maybe he could have done different mm-hmm. because he's thinking, well, I might die. Yeah. About to make this decision now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I'm a very, um, I'm, I myself run on education. So I am very pro always learning, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I've been in school for all my life. I almost think that, you know, like you said, um, if you're going to want, if you're going to require a degree for these police officers, you're going to have to better their salary. And you mentioned that a lot of the times police officers have to wear multiple hats. So they have to be, you know, first aid, psychiatry, um, you know, they have, they, they have to be prepared for 
really everything. Right. Do you think that the academy trains um, officers um, enough to be able to handle that? Or do you think that the de- a degree would be very beneficial, especially when it comes to psychiatry and the problem of mental health that we have in this country? Well, I mean, that would be that'd be great if you had them in a um, if you're responding to a call and it was a controlled environment where someone's laying on a couch. Uh huh. Um, but that's often not the situation. You're responding to a call. Guy's got a fucking samurai. Guy has a samurai sword. This is drunkology. You can cuss. It's he's got he's got a samurai sword and he's running after, towards you. Uh huh. Which is you know when you're dealing with a, a psychiatric individual. Um. So it's not as clear cut as okay. If I did have a a degree a PhD in psychology, I probably wouldn't have the opportunity to use it in most instances on the side of the road uh-huh. in those environments mm-hmm. because it's just not an ideal situation where you're coming into contact with these people uh, when you talk about people that have mental issues. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that it would be any more beneficial than the training that you get in the academy to deal with those situations. Okay. Um, you know, and I've seen a, a lot lately people were saying the police in Denmark go to a cat a school for three years or two years or whatever it is, but they also don't have the crime that we have in the United States in Denmark, so they can afford for their police to sit in a school for two years. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we just we don't have we don't afford that luxury, mm-hmm. and it's just it's no. I mean, it's you can't take one place and and put what they got going on and make it fit here. Or vice versa. Uh-huh. Um, each place has to be adapted to its own situation. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I, like my department, you have to have either uh, an associate's degree, five years on the road working with another department, or four years of military service. Mm-hmm. you got to have one of those or a combination of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know. A lot of those questions are, you know, we we would never be able to sit here and answer them in uh, an hour conversation or a two hour conversation or yeah. days conversation. Now, do you? I don't. Do you think that maybe there should be the federal government should step in and maybe um, have more regulation on you know police departments in all fifty states to ensure. Um, or or do you think that the, it should be left up to the state mm-hmm. level? Because like you said, every state or every city or every county has its own way of doing things. Well, it's funny that you bring that up. So the federal government, ha- the federal government has something like that. They're called consent decrees. And the city of New Orleans is under a consent decree. Um, because there was a federal investigation after Katrina that determined that um, there was a rampant um, corruption within the department. So the, the feds basically told the city of New Orleans, either we control your police department or you get rid of it. Okay. So now the, the feds have been running the city of New Orleans police department. Now it has rooted out the corruption, which is great, but it's resulted in the police not being able to do their jobs. And the crime rate in New Orleans has went through the roof since the feds took over because it, it basically handcuffs officers so severely that they can't perform their jobs. Mm-hmm. 
which is why the crime is out of hand in New Orleans. So there's got to be a happy medium. I don't know of too many things that the government runs that really turns out to run good. <laughs> so the, the federal government, I think it, it's better left in the hands of the local administrations okay, um, because they know what their communities need. Because not every puzzle piece can fit in any space. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I, I, I definitely, um, if you would have asked me that, you know, three months ago, I probably would have said no. Um, but... Um, so what, you know, we talked about the public's opinion of the police and how, um, you know, if we, the public want the police to change, we should take some change into our own hands and maybe step back and think about what we can do, um, to, you know, help with the movement. What would you, what would you like to see, um, in policing change that you think might be beneficial? Um, like for me. I think having a way of getting those officers with 18 um, complaints um, out of, you know, the system um, or as Congress has passed a national database. So, um, you know, let's say you for some reason get fired for having so many complaints in Louisiana. You can't just come up to Indiana and right. um, start a clean slate. And to be honest with you, that surprises me that nothing like that has existed before. Okay. I can't believe that we didn't even have something like that in place already, uh -huh. at least if not nationally, locally. Uh -huh. Because I, I, there are instances here in Louisiana where an officer was fired and, and goes a, a parish or two over and gets a job somewhere else. Uh -huh. that, that totally blows my mind that we did not have that in place. That's, that's a great idea. And it blows my mind as well because for many people know I work in uh, the banking industry. We have that. So like yeah, if, so, yeah. if you would, you know, go open up an account, you know, at ABC credit union or ABC bank and you, um, abandon them and you owe them $25 and 25 cents. You, when you go to your next bank and you know, they run you, they see that you owe this other institution. You know what I mean? It's right. that there's the national database for that. I had no idea that it wasn't there at all. Just like, how oh, I guess you didn't. And you've been working, you know, you most of your life and, um, you know, law enforcement. I just assumed that was something that, that they would do. Um, I mean, and especially now today, I could see, you know, 20, 30 years ago, how that would be a problem um, logistically because mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have the technology in place. But today, I mean, it, it's my, a 15 year old probably could create that in 20 minutes for every department in the country to use. Yeah. Why we haven't had that for now is, is just crazy. Yeah. Understand that. And um, I'm going to use an example of, you, you know, what went on in my city, um, my police department um, the Sunday um, after Memorial Day. So it had been a full six days um, protest around the country. There was a peaceful protest on um, the boulevard where we live. Um, and at sundown, um, that protest went um, from peaceful um, and down the boulevard to taking, um, going west and hitting up the outlet mall, um, and bad people wanting to demonstrate something differently. Um, I will have to say I was watching it live from, um, a citizen that had, you know, 10,000 people watching it. And I thought the outlet mall was going to just be destroyed. I was, I 
was just waiting there anxiously waiting to see flames come up from a store or hearing glass break all over. Um, but our chief of police, um, he is newly um, in office as of the beginning of this year, um, went into the crowd himself. Um, and um, a little background, uh, the high school here always had a resource officer. So just a police officer at the high school. And it, it was him. Um, so he's very well respected um, in this community. And um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because once he went in there and had a discussion, a heated discussion um, with the leaders of um, not the protests, but wanting to stir up the pot and do um, things other than pr peaceful protesting, things calmed down. So my question to you is, and do you think that 99% of the protests are peaceful. However, 1% of the protesters that a lot of the times come from out of state or out of county to stir the pot and to make trouble. Do you think that's the case? Or do you think that um, these protesters have just gotten out of hand completely? Well, I, I know for a fact that there are these people embedded at these protests and their job is to stir up trouble. Um, I mean, we get the intelligence on that. Um, perfect, perfect example was in New Orleans a couple weeks ago when we were down there. Um, there was two locations where two trucks pulled up and dropped off um, two pallets of bricks, pre-broken up into where you could just pick one up in your hand and throw it. Hand-sized pieces. Yes. So someone is funding this movement. Um, now, then, along with the, the paid protesters, I call them, um, you can go on Craigslist and find the ads um, where they're trying to recruit people to come protest. They pay you and everything. Um, now, mixed in with them, you have people that are just willing to take advantage of the situation. And those people, more than likely than not, are criminals to begin with. And so they're going, of course, if someone goes to the mall and starts smashing in the, the shoe store, they're going to go in there and grab something or grab a TV. Or, um, so you have those people. But I, I, from my experience, then what I've seen the past couple of weeks, the majority of the people are out there just exercising their First Amendment right, which is great. I'm all for that. Do that. But that doesn't mean you get to go and shut down the interstate or shut down the highway. Um, that's not peaceful. That's not a pro. That's not protesting anything. I understand you're 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 trying to draw attention to your protest, but what if your loved ones? sitting in an ambulance on the highway and they can't get through and they're sitting in an ambulance dying because they can't get to the hospital because knuckleheads have blocked the highway. You just can't do things like that. Um, but for the most part, people have responded peacefully and exercised their First Amendment rights responsibly, uh -huh. which is great to see. And I'm, I'm all for that. But the minute you cross that line then you're, you're breaking the law. Yes. Um, and I honestly think everyone agrees with that. Um, I think it's unfortunate that um, there are people that um, not only are paid to um, interrogate and stir up trouble and take advantage of the situation, um, but I definitely understand where you're coming from with the highway patrol um, being so close to the highway patrol, the high, the blocking of the interstates, mm -hmm. um, being so close to Chicago, um, US 94, runs you know through michigan through indiana and then illinois and you know immersely disperses into the chicagoland area um 
that week a lot of the interstates were blocked off not by protesters but by police themselves concerned about um, people being bussed in um, to loot the surrounding areas and take advantage um, I think it's very um, unfortunate I don't know how we can change that um, I think um, being in America there's always going to be you know the one percent of, um, of just just bad people um, but I think our many people's biggest concern is on social media you see peaceful protests um, and you know with camera footage on cell phones or you know iPads or computers or security uh, you know footage from around um, officers um, inappropriately using force when not needed um, how does a police department keep track of um, that during this time so for example in New York um, that 75 year old who approached um, the big group of police officers um, and he, he he was blatantly pushed down um, and hit his head and it has a severe brain injury right now um, you know those two officers have um, I think they've been put on unpaid leave I don't believe that they've been terminated in these big schemes and it's it's evident that there are are police officers that are also taken advantage such as in Chicago there's video footage of police officers breaking into the state representative's office and taking advantage and blaming it on protesters how do police departments keep track of that or um, see that to um, to weed out those people or to discipline them so the, the sorry incident, I, I know these questions are like loaded <laughs> no, that's that's fine no that's, that's hey this is all about discussion so the incident in Buffalo that you're talking about, <clears throat> when you when the most of the video that you see on CNN, you see maybe six, seven, eight seconds of that whole video. There's other videos out there from different angles that show the the whole thing going down. Um, he didn't just walk up to the officers and they just run up and push him down. They handled it differently, yes, but this guy. I don't know if you've done your research on this guy. Um, he is one of these radical, get rid of the police guys, you know, F the police dudes. And so what he was doing, he was trying to capture the, 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 the signals that they were using because those officers, I guess that department uses uh, free copying. I don't know if you're frequency hopping radios which means that um, those radios are programmed with a signal that allows just them and anyone that has the code to listen to their radio broadcast. So he was trying to capture that with his phone. He kept scanning. There's an app on a phone that you can use to capture these frequencies. And that's what he was trying to do. Um, if you look, the two officers at first told him back away, and he didn't do it. Now, he should have been arrested, not knocked down to the ground and and you know with such force because yeah he's an old man um so it was one guy that ran up and pushed him down and man this is so, it, and it looks bad when you watch the video i get it but these officers are out there doing um crowd control and that's how you're taught to do crowd control you push the individuals back you push them back you don't allow them to enter get into the lines get in behind you they're definitely not supposed to touch you like he was doing. So that there were some things done wrong, but there were some things done right. 
I guess I, I guess I would honestly just have to disagree. And um, right. seeing, um, I don't just watch CNN. Um, right. I, I know I've made it clear that that is my one of my main um, channels that I do watch. Um, reading articles, um, I read that their um, police radios were not on that secured line because people were saying that they didn't understand why they would push the 75 year old when those radios are public so as an example i can go into my app and listen to my local city's police scanner all that would be public or his um, friends coming forward um, and saying he doesn't even know how to work his phone how he would be able to um, hack into that mm. um, into that code to do that um, do we know for sure? No, it's always going to be he said, she said. Um, but the multiple videos, it was like an instant. Um, he's It's like they're coming together face to face and he's pushed. There was no uh, brief three second, four second conversation of you need to walk this way. It was a, they were moving and they pushed him. Um, well, that's, I guess that's what a line, that's what I was trying to explain. That's what a line does. Um, they push the people back because what they're trying to, I don't know. I don't know what was going on there before, but it looks like they're doing crowd control and they're trying to clear out an area. So, I mean, that's how you're trained to do crowd control is to push individuals back. Um, if anybody in front of you gets pushed back, and when I say push, I don't mean like how they pushed him, but you move individuals, you herd them um, back from the area. Yes, and I, I definitely understand and um, I can see that. You know, we've seen that done peacefully in other cities. Um, I guess I just can't wrap my head around pushing a 75-year-old when there weren't many individuals around them to herd. Um, you know, I would just hate if my grandfather was out there um, at 75, you know, protesting, most likely not scanning a radio, not knowing how that works. Um, I think maybe the you know if they needed to do crowd control sir you got to turn around turn them around and you know go i don't think and blatantly pushing and then just walking and watching him sit there as he bleeds out of his ear um i just can't so i guess i just, I just can't imagine that being something that's that's with policy do you think maybe that that is something that can change that you know you mentioned that's just what we're trained to do do you think that training could be different Oh, absolutely. Um, without a doubt, um, you know, that that could have been handled a totally different way. Absolutely. Um, but Mr. Uh, what's his name? Gugino or whatever, whatever his name is, Martin. I can't pronounce his last name. Mm -hmm. He I don't know if you've done any research on the guy. And look, it doesn't excuse what they did, but he's not an innocent 75 year old man that was just out there you know, trying to exercise his right to protest. He is an individual who in the past has um, been one of these people that go out there and try to incite the police and, and bait them into doing things. Now, that doesn't excuse what happened to him, um, of course, but... I guess know, I can see that from any other individual who might be, you know, 30 years younger, but the video clearly shows him striding not walking like you know profusely or walking as if he has his total balance it, it was evident to me that he was elderly and to me looked harmless he didn't have a weapon on him um he had his phone i guess i i just can't wrap my head around um 
the officers just pushing him and i and i i think and i i know that you agree that you know things could be handled um differently um but this also isn't the only instance um you know i don't guess um maybe i can pick your brain you know a little bit on mm-hmm. um what were your thoughts on um when attorney general Barr cleared out the lafayette park in front of that church um with those peaceful protesters um for donald trump to have a picture taken um do you did you think that was appropriate well so some of the people were throwing objects um i don't know if you knew that or yes that church was very much vandalized and destroyed well, they were the actually some of them were throwing objects at the park police, um, and the park police didn't use gas or rubber bullets or anything. They just shot some smoke, and it does. It's just smoke. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't burn. It doesn't. I, I guess I have to push back. That's false. The Secret Service did confirm that um, gas was used to move that crowd from Lafayette Park. Okay. Well, I mean, gas doesn't. And aside from being an irritant, it doesn't. You know, it it sucks. I've been gassed. Um, I've been in a gas chamber, but they were throwing things at the police officers. So they have the right to, you know, use that gas to, to make a move. Now, if he went there just to take a picture, I don't know. I, that's the political side of it. But if we're talking about the police action that mm-hmm. was used, it was totally called for, in my opinion, um, because they were throwing things at the police. And, you know, everybody... That's one person tell me, well, you know, you're a police officer. You knew the job was dangerous. Yeah, I get that. It doesn't mean I have to let myself be hurt or injured. Mm-hmm. I have the right to protect myself, even if I am a police officer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, get away from him just going over there to take a picture. I don't know what that was all about. But the police action used was totally legit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's totally lawful. Okay. From what I saw. Yeah. Um, I, I will disagree. Um, but it's know, all right. Not, and that I was just about to say, cause that was, that was your point of your last episode was, right. um, it's okay to disagree. And I actually listened to a really good podcast. It's called bipartisan. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's political. Um, there's a, uh, the gentleman is a Democrat and the lady is a Republican. Um, and their whole um, point of this podcast, and I'd love to use this quote. I kind of stole it from them. Um, to find your agreements in your disagreements to find your common ground, you know? And at the end of the day, you know, me and you, for example, can come to, you know, the, the same ground of reform can be done and reform can be helpful. Um, but we as a country have to have a full on conversation about the right way to do it. Not just snap your fingers and hope the first thing that comes to mind works. Um, yeah, it's it's got to be compromised, and it's got to be somewhere in the middle. We can't be all the way to the left, and we can't be all the way to the right. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say earlier, you know, it's it's. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there aren't racist people. There are. There are people out there that are just they're assholes, mm-hmm. and they hate someone just because of their color of their skin, and that's terrible. They're, those people are horrible. But I don't believe, like I said on our podcast, that it's a systemic problem. Like, not all white people are racist. That would be systemic. Mm-hmm. That existed once in this country. It sure did. If you go back to the, <clears throat> after the Civil War, Reconstruction, and then uh, Jim Crow South, that absolutely was systemic racism. Um, there were barriers put in place to keep um, minorities from voting, um, from um, running for office, from just in 
doing anything that anyone has the right to do as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think we've come such a long way since then. Yeah. I don't believe that systemic racism is still in place. You have racism. You have people that they're just hanging on to it, but they're taught that because you're not born racist. Mm-hmm. So eventually, that shit's going to go away. I think people like you, me, and everybody else that's on that side has to be more vocal about it, though. Mm-hmm. Um, because I absolutely can't stand fucking racist people. Yeah, um, I got called a racist the other day, and I'm far from it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't try to argue with them. I just said, okay, well, you know, if you say think so, that's that's sad, but okay. Sometimes it's just not worth your argument. It's not no, worth it, your it time. No, it wasn't, and I wasn't going to change their mind, so what's the point? Yeah. You know, but yeah. I mean, that's what we got to do. Yeah. Such a good conversation. I love to have these deep conversations and just learning about other um, other sides and, you know, just um, not just reading and but talking and talking to a human being who's on the front line, you know, just like you. So thank you so much. Um, I do have one weird question. Um, and this just just regards to Minneapolis. I will. Um, I remember staying up till two o'clock in the morning that Wednesday night watching the third precinct go up in flames and there's that famous picture it was reported that the police department had decided that it was time for them to get out of that precinct and mm-hmm. not secure it um what does that mean how do um pl- how do police departments make the decision um to not um secure their office and let the rioters take control i'm not saying that they shouldn't have or should have i guess uh, you just see that the whole building just engulfed in flames. Would you have any insight into um, how a department would make that decision of, all right, we just got to get out of here and hope for the best? I would think that decision came, if it's if that's a city department, that that w- decision would come from the mayor's office because she runs, or he, I don't know if it's a female or male mayor, but they run the police department. They are in charge of the police department. Okay. So it had to come from the mayor's office. I don't think the chief would just be like, just leave the police department. Kind of like, well, what's going on in Seattle? Uh-huh. Um, you know, the mayor made that call. Just let him have the police station. Mm-hmm. And that that's a whole nother. You should do that podcast on what's going on over there in, mm-hmm. in Seattle. But, um, yeah, I mean, they wouldn't even have time to secure it. Aboard. I mean, you could lock the door, but and that wasn't going to keep anyone out. Yeah. Aside from, you know, if they put some steel plates up or something, uh, they were going to get in it. They probably just felt for officer safety reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so no officers would get hurt and no more civilians would get hurt from officers having to use force to protect themselves. Uh-huh. They probably just said, just leave it. Just let them have it. Yeah. I would think that's what happened. Okay. All right. Well, um, Robert, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to listening to more of, uh, of Louisiana Saturday night. Um, we appreciate you coming on and um, having a different point of view with us today. Absolutely. And look, everybody just calm down, take a breath, hug somebody for a change. How about that? Just uh, everybody get along. That's that's what we got to do. I love that. Thank you so much, Robert. All right, man. Later.